Well, they can ride in it, and they can rope in it, and if they have to, well, they can even shovel it. The real cowgirls of the WRRA, okay. Well, I'll tell you this, they don't take no lip. They're trying to win the Ranch Rodeo Championship. The real cowgirls of the WRRA. Well, they can haul hay, drive a truck, build a fence, pull a calf, don't back them in the corner, cause they might kick your ass, Kenny Cowgirl's husband, and he'll say, now they can ride in it, and they can rope in it, and if they have to, well, they could even shovel it, the real cowgirls of the WRRA. On this podcast, we have Cody Garnett and Jimbo Snively. They host a podcast also. It's called Cowboys of the Osage. So go and subscribe to that because they have some really cool guests on there. They were kind enough to ask me on. So earlier we recorded a podcast about the world finals coming to Pahuska and a little bit of history of the Women's Ranch Radio Association. So be sure and go over there and check that out. So we cover a lot of things on this uh, podcast here with Cody and Jimbo had a lot of fun I, I thank them once again for having me on and spending uh, part of the day with them it was a lot of fun when you come to the finals or if you head over to Pahuska anytime go by the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum go over to the Buck and Flamingo thank Cody for everything that he does you run into Jimbo somewhere be sure and thank him too because these guys are big supporters of the uh, Women's Ranch Rodeo Association and our finals being in Pahuska. So, enjoy. Okay, I am here with Cody, the man, the myth, the legend, right? Yeah, that's me right here. Right here. In the flesh. In the flesh in the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum. This is an awesome place. Thank you. You have done a lot of work. It is outstanding. And then his sidekick, Jimbo Sidley. Rodeo historian himself. Right. Glad to be here. <laughs> this is our second podcast for the day. I know. We should be professionals at this, talking together. Me and Jimbo, we got another one scheduled up here after a while. All right. It's going to be a good one. We're going to be interviewing uh, national cutting horse world champion, Tommy Marvin. That'll be good. He'll be coming in. He just got inducted in the National Cutting Horse Hall of Fame, I believe. So Nothing but world champions here in the Osage. We've got a bunch of them. It's going to be a good one. We're looking forward to it, but we're looking more forward to talking with you right now. Yeah. So tell me, Cody... Uh, your history into rodeo and tripping steers and just a little bit of history. You're from the Osage. No, I, I'm a transplant. I've always from where? felt. Uh, well, I grew up in Kansas. Can you believe it? Up in in Hutchinson, Kansas. My whole family were all from New Mexico. So, but I grew up in Kansas. I'm a Kansan. That's where I was born. Unfortunately, I'm not an Okie. Wish I was. We claim him though. Yeah. Yep, they, they let he, me in. He's been here long enough. We claim him. I married a girl that's lifelong Osage County. She was born here. Her family was born here. They've been here since uh, before statehood. So 
I married into a, a long-standing Osage County family. Right, right. And how about and she you? was an upgrade too. Yeah, they just now accepted me around here after 12 years. So it takes 12 years of living here and being married to a local to get accepted in. Right. You have to prove yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Jim? I was you? raised here, been here 65 years, come from a roping family, and my grandfather was a world champion steer roper, and uh, my Uncle Joe was a 10-time national finals, two-time average winner, and and I roped, but I made a better welder than a roper, so I, I give it up. We all got to know our strengths, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> and it paid a lot better the way I roped. You know, Jimbo, he never lost his passion for keeping up with rodeo and and different things. He, he he is a true rodeo historian. If you ever need to know anything about the sport of rodeo, especially in its early years, Jimbo's the man right here. I grew up hearing the old stories and, and always had an interest in it. And We had the old scrapbook and all the old pictures, and I'd ask my grandpa, who's this, or what did he do? Or, so it just always came easy to remember that. So I wished I'd ask more questions, but I, I asked a lot and, and had a, a large interest in it, and then and it just stuck for some reason. Well, that's good because that, that I think that is lost of, of the people telling the old stories. Mm -hmm. So what's one of your favorite cowboy rodeo stories? Oh, Share one I, with us. Oh, Pick I one. Well, I know what I'm trying to think. Uh, wow. What it's, have I told you that, that sound good? PG-13. Oh, you know, one of my yeah, favorite... Yeah, well, I can't tell. One of my favorite <laughs> stories you told on your granddad, Jimbo, was the one about Gene Autry giving him the car. Oh, yeah. yeah tell him he, about he, that. That's, he, that's really he, something else. He worked for Gene Autry as a pickup man back in New York. I mean, my grandpa was a cab roper at Madison Square Garden, but uh, it lasted almost a month, so they, they would pick up Bronx or whatever to make extra money. They're there anyway, you know, and Gene Autry was putting the rodeo on. So he knew Gene well, but in the 40s during the war... You couldn't get a car. They rationed gas. You couldn't get tires. Everything went to, towards the war effort, you know, the metal, everything. So you just, the average person could not get a new car. But he thought Gene had enough pull to get one. And his car, my grandpa's car was wore out. So uh, he went to Gene, told him the situation. And Gene said, well, let me see what I can do. And uh, it wasn't just a while later, he'd come up with a brand new car. And I think it was Cleveland, Ohio, when he first showed up with it. And uh, my grandpa wanted to pay him for it right then and, and get the title. And he said, no, you better let me drive it just a little bit longer to make it look good. Because he'd pulled a lot of strings to get it, you know. And, that, and so, so Gene kept it another few weeks. And then eventually he sold it to my grandpa and he got a new car out of the deal. So. I like that story. Yeah, that's a good story. Cowboys take care of each other. Right, right. He said Gene was a good guy. I yeah, knew him well. And... Is this right? Your grandpa's going to be inducted in the Cowboy Hall of Fame? Yes, at Oklahoma City. He's going to be inducted uh, as a cab roper and a steer roper. And we're all going down November 12th and 13th and uh, going to have to dress up. Yeah, Jimbo's been trying to get his granddad into this Cowboy Hall of Fame for years, and they finally they finally, they finally, recognized him as, uh, as being in there this year. They voted him in, and it's going to yeah. be quite the celebration. You know, when you don't go in with your peers – and then you try it 60 years later when nobody remembers their name. You know, it, it's kind of hard, you know. But I did a lot of research, and and uh, they had no problem. You know, he went in the second ballot. That's way cool. Yeah, very cool. We're really tickled about it. 
Now, we're and, extremely excited. You know, Jimbo's done so much on his grandpa's behalf. It, we got a buckle in here that, you know, his grandpa won. The very first national finals was in 1959. They didn't hold the steer rope in with the rest of the rodeo, just like they, they don't now. It was it was held in Clayton, New Mexico, wasn't it, Jimbo? Right, Clayton, New Mexico. And, uh, well, you tell them the story on the buckle. You're, you're the one that did all well, the work on it. Well, the first three national finals, they didn't give a buckle to the steer rope. They were kind of the stepchild of rodeo at that time, and, and they didn't get a, the buckle at the first three national finals, 59, 60, and 61. So I approached the PRCA and told them we wanted to get a buckle. And my Uncle Joe won it in 1961, so I was really trying to get two buckles. And uh, I wanted to get it, make it look just like the ones that they would have, that they gave away eventually, you know, so it'd look authentic. And uh, and it took a lot of red tape and quite a bit, and uh, they finally gave me approval and their blessing to go ahead and have that buckle made with their buckle maker, Montana Silversmith. And uh, we got beautiful buckle, and it's here in the museum. So Cody has the first national finals buckle ever won here at the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum. Wow. Yeah, it's a big honor something. for us. You know, the, the rodeo way of life, that, it, it really hits home with me, Jimbo, because that's all I know, basically, is the rodeo way of life. My dad was nine-time national finalist. Could have been a lot more-time national finalist, but he, he was also in the business of buying horses and selling them, and he'd get a good one made and sell them. And uh, it'd take him another year or two to get another one made, to, the caliber to make the national finals on, and then... You know, he'd make the finals on them a time or two and, and sell them. So that's how we supplemented our income with, with my folks rodeoing for a living is they'd always make a good horse and sell them. And, uh, but we sold ourselves a foot a lot of times. So I think, in hindsight, I think it's more or less uh, shooting yourself in the foot now when you sell a great horse like that because they're few and far between and they're worth a lot more money now, Jimbo. It's right, really, right, really, right, absolutely. It's really but, crazy. But we both grew up in the... Uh, rodeo world and, and western world and and so we just kind of had a a mutual bond there because cody likes the old history just as much as i do and uh we've been friends and i helped him with this museum because i didn't i say helped him they did all the work i just did a little research for him and and that kind of stuff but uh they've really put together a great museum here yeah this is a great museum i to this day, I can't believe that we built it, Jimbo. It doesn't feel like that we did any of this, honestly. It just feels like I walk in here and it's just someplace that I that I would love to see with my own eyes. That's that's how we built it, but I, I still can't believe that we built it, honestly. It, it's unbelievable to me when we walk in here that me and my wife and two hippie carpenters that work for me, you know, we built this whole thing. But and thanks to guys like you, you were... Uh, you were honestly, when I came to you, everybody else looked at me like I was kind of a crazy person because <laughs> at the time this was a pawn shop and I was telling them about <laughs> this, you know, this cowboy museum that I wanted to put in the back of the pawn shop and blah, blah, blah. And, and they, most people just looked at me like I was a nut. But I came to you and I wanted to talk to you about it and uh, you didn't. In fact, you gave me your grandpa's scrapbook, which had all the original pictures of his whole career in there and you trusted me to send it with me there for i don't know a couple of months till i got everything digitized out of it and that was my start jimbo was actually how we got started in the museum he's the one that 
Well, you made me feel like I wasn't so crazy about doing it. So. Well, maybe so, but you, you and Lauren did all the work, and and it's just amazing. It's kind of like that movie, Field of Dreams. You know the line, "If you build it, they will come," because as soon as he opened this thing, or maybe before he opened it, stuff just went to walking in the door, didn't it? Yeah. It, you know, it's amazing. You know, people bring something. That, and you've got a whole room full of stuff you don't even have room to put in. Yeah, we're uh, we're constantly expanding the museum right here. You know, there's some, uh, like a cowgirl, Lynn Starr. Mm-hmm. Everyone had forgotten about her accomplishments. And uh, we did we did a podcast with her, actually. Yep. And the right people heard that podcast, Billy. And they put Lynn Starr up for the National, uh, the Indian Rodeo Association's Hall of Fame. They heard it. They put her on the ballot, and she got in the same year because... Uh, you know, they didn't keep great records, so they didn't know who had won this or that. And, uh, yeah, she's one of the winningest cowgirls in American history. And our next goal is to get her in the, the Cowgirl Hall of Fame down in Fort Worth, Texas. So, But, yeah, the right people heard that podcast, Jimbo, and they put her up on the ballot, and, they, and she got in first time. I know. That's a great story. And uh, there's been so many champions from Osage County. I mean, it just boggled my mind how many great cowboys and cowgirls have came from this area. For whatever reason. You know, we got one of the greatest ranch rodeo cowgirls. She lives right here. Married into a local ranching family. Jenna Steerwalt, four-time world champion in the uh, Women's Ranch Rodeo Association. And we got a we got a great display to her and her husband in here. Yeah. One of the only one of the only uh, husband-wife world champion combos there is out there. I think Chris and Amy Potter may have did it one time. But, you know, those got to be few and far between. How many... Husband, wife, world champions in the ranch rodeo, are there? Billy? I would say Jenna and uh, Shane and Aim and uh, Chris. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything, anybody else. I mean, there's a lot of husbands and wives that they both compete, but world champions, no. Or um, average winners, you know, we break it up in two different deals with the women's deal. The men's work a little bit different, but... Uh, I would say Jenna and uh, Shane and Eamon, Chris. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite an accomplishment as a family. Oh yeah, opinion. and and Joe and my uncle Joe and grandfather were the first father and son team to ever compete in the national finals, which have been several since, but they were the first and at the first national finals, so nobody will ever beat them. That's right. There's a. There's so much rodeo history and cowboy and cowgirl history around here. Well, it is cowboy country and steer tripping capital of the world, don't you think? I mean, yeah, it's the steer tripping capital think, of the world. If you think about it, uh, all the history that we have in this in this area, uh, not just Osage County, but the surrounding counties of all the all the folks that have came out of this area that went on to bigger and greater things and and stayed true to their roots and come back to this area you know we were you know what stephenville is now in that area down there in texas you know that's definitely the cowboy capital of the world now we were that mm-hmm. pre we have so many world champions from right here and the surrounding area every discipline in in equine sports rodeo it doesn't matter you know, it doesn't matter if it's horse racing, barrel racing, women's ranch rodeo, men's ranch rodeo, steer roping, calf roping. We got bull riders, saddle bronc riders, all world champions, all around hands. You know, um, have you ever heard of the Crockett Bitten Spur Company? Yeah, I think Crockett, I've heard of it. It's real, yeah. 
you know, it's a legendary company. If you've ever heard of a bit and spur, you probably heard right. of the Crockett Company. Well, yeah. well, you know, the first their first recognized blacksmith shop was right across the street from the museum here. Really? Yeah. So, you know, all the way from the teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way through about the 70s, you know, this was the cowboy capital of the world. And on top of it all, we had a cowboy go out to Hollywood and, you know, win the, I guess what's considered a world championship of acting. Yeah, Academy Award. The Academy Award and a, a world championship in rodeo, team roping. You know, that, that was just the icing on the cake that, that made us the cowboy capital of the world. But, you know, I think that the folks from around here, we kind of take it for granted about how many of the greats were from this area. Honestly, they yeah. were just people we knew. We don't, yeah, we don't realize until you just sit down and go to counting them or walk through this museum, you don't realize just how many there actually was. You know, uh, the one-armed bandit, you know, that that guy, he might be one of our most successful people, and, you know, he's not even in the the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in Colorado Springs. 15-time act of the year probably will never be duplicated that many times, uh, PRC act of the year. No, he's got to be the the number one uh, contract act of all time. I mean, you know, I don't even know who would be a close second. There's not. There's not. So that's right. the most unique act I've ever seen. In right life. here from western Osage County. I mean, just And a, continued on, you know, how many generations down? I mean. Three. Yep. His grandson's doing it now, and as both of his kids had the act on the road, and uh, now his grandson is uh, – He's taking the act on the road. I think he, he booked three events this last year, and he's booking more for next year right now. So, yeah. so. If you're a ro rodeo committee out there, get a hold of the one-armed bandit. They'll they'll perform it anywhere. They they performed on some polo fields just the other day somewhere, he's telling me. And they <laughs> Between do put, matches. They do put on a show. I mean, I've never known anybody the first time they see that, that, they, that their jaw didn't drop, you know, because it's just so, so original, you know. And that guy... He's a horseman because he's doing all that without even touching the bridle reins because he's got a bull whip or a six shooter in one hand and he ain't got another hand. So something's got to be controlling that horse and he's got that horse so broke. Or mule. Or, or mule. Or mule. Mow. Mow the mule. <laughs> but who, have you ever seen a mule ride without a bridle no. of any kind? No. And talk him into jumping on top of a trailer with yeah. a bunch of half longhorn watusi combos right it's just crazy yeah that doesn't just happen that, that takes work there's a lot of things you take for granted when you're watching that show unless you think about a lot of the 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 variables going on in it right then um, you can just get caught up watching the show but if you really think about a lot of the things that he's doing it's pretty unbelievable just the horsemanship before they even turn out anything he shows off but it's hard to to conceive that he's not touching the reins with his hand. He yeah. just has a, a with his free hand. He's got a bullwhip going. And you're asking them buffalo to jump up on or longhorns, waltusis to jump up on a flatbed truck and then go ahead and climb up on top of the trailer. That can't be natural. No, he said. <laughs> he said the a buffalo is the meanest varmint out there. Right. The meanest the meanest animal known to man is what he said. So. Yeah. But anyway, I just find it I just find it pretty fascinating. And as we're sitting here uh, where you do your podcast, I'm looking across the way and I see Blucher Boot Company. 
and going to the other aspect of not just cowboys in our part of the country is the craftsman that has come from our part of the country that, that you have here. Well, if you're going to be a cowboy, you got to have spurs to put on your boots. You got to have boots to put on your feet. You got to have a hat to put on your head. Bits, so, bits for your horse. Bits for your horse. You know, um, we got some of the finest and most famous cowboy craftsmen in the world. We have one of the most famous women cowboy, cowgirl craftsmen in the world from here. Did you know that? No. You ever heard of Shorty Cowboy Hattery in the Oklahoma City Stockyards? Yes. From Osage County. Shorty's from Fairfax, Oklahoma. She'll Didn't be know she that. she's going in the you know, she's going in the National Cowgirl Hall of Fame this year as a craftsman and she's going in the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum this year also. Um, as soon as I found out she was from uh, from from this area. You know, I we got a hold of her immediately, and she's already been up, and we had a great old time. And uh, me and Jimbo's gonna be doing a podcast with her real soon. Cool. But yeah, that'll be interesting. You know, that's really something. You know, no one would have known or anything unless we really, really dug and and found out some of this information. And on top of that, we have the the TCCA. The Traditional Cowboy Craftsman of America, or something of that effect. Um, there's only 12 members in the world, and they're from all over the world. Argentina, France, America, um, Canada. They're from every part of the world, but there's only 12. And they only let the very best in the world in it. And uh, one of our folks from right here in Osage County, Jay Adcock, a rawhide braider he was invited to be a part of that group this year and, and as we talk right now his his pieces are being showed and sold in the cowboy hall of fame in oklahoma city and uh, i would suppose that's about the largest the largest uh, thing you can get in his that's probably as far as high you can go the, the the biggest accomplishment that's like a world's champion that's like a world's champion it right is. there and yeah. don't forget Dr. Carter. We've got the winningest quarter horse jockey of all time. I think it's the winningest jockey of all time. Too. Well, maybe, but any 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 he breed probably is, yeah. and, and that's saying that's a mouthful. Yeah, right here, raised right here in Puska. I've known him since he was that tall. You know, one of the we still I'm still on these craftsmen, Jimbo. Okay, I got I got to send a shout out to one one of the finest gentlemen I've ever met. I've never seen him raise his voice. I've never seen him uh, say a cuss word. I've never, I've never seen him do anything that would be out of character, uh, that would be considered an out of character move. And that's uh, Mr. John Israel, one of the best known bent spur makers in the world. Uh, all the biggest trainers in the world, period, use his stuff. Uh, if you if you're lucky enough to get one of the new ones from him today, it's an instant collectible when you get it. So there's not very many people that are like that. You know, he's up in his 80s, and I, I feel very fortunate to, to know him and, and to have him from here, Jimbo. Oh, just a great guy. And like you said, you get one of his new ones, but people want to put it on the wall and still use it. I mean, I know he wants them to use it, but he, it's so prestigious, you know, his, his work that you hate to even uh, take it to the barn. You know, <laughs> Billy, he doesn't use any kind of mar – he got an old stick welder, 1970-something stick welder, he has a, a hacksaw and some files. That's all he uses, period, and a torch. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. You know, any other bit of spur maker nowadays, they're getting all their stuff laser cut out or water jet cut out, and they're, you know, this and that. 
Well, John, Israel is still 110% the exact same way he made them when he first started. He's upgraded some of his materials a little bit that he makes the bits out of. But <laughs> that was in 1985 when he made that upgrade. So, uh, yeah, he's amazing for sure. He's a mess. He uh, he drives his he drives his car and has his little short shot inline in behind it everywhere. You know him when he's coming. One of the coolest guys in the world. He doesn't drive too fast when you see him coming, but you know it's him. <laughs> yeah, I've got stuck behind him a few times right here, headed to a barns doll or something. So some of these roads, there's no passing in the Osage. Right. So you don't if you're in a hurry, you don't want to get stuck behind John, but. There ain't a better guy in the world to get stuck behind. No, no. There's not a passing zone in between Behusk and Barnstall, is there? Uh, Just a few. Very, 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 very few. few. When it levels out right there, when you get to almost Behuska, you can pass. Yep. It's, a, it's a windy road. Pretty sorry. <laughs> I've traveled that road a lot. Uh, I grew up in Washington County, just down there at Ramona, and my grandparents lived here for a while. And my great aunt lived over here um, until she passed away. And I can remember going to the museum. I'm just saying this because I don't know if kids these days, but if I was in town, the little museum down by the rail car. Yeah, the Osage County Historical Museum. I could have been, I could have told you when I was a kid every single thing in there. It just amazed me. So I would hope that any kids that would come here, I hope that they're just as amazed. I'm still amazed at all the history. I love it. And I had a friend that lived in Dewey, close to the Tom Mix Museum. I could have told you when I was a kid, every piece of everything that was in that museum. Yeah, that so place I think is museums amazing. are the greatest, greatest things. You can just get lost in that world. First Boy Scout troop right here in Pahuska. You know, growing up, that's the, I, I would have to go in these museums because we'd be camped out at the, at the rodeo grounds in Cheyenne, and I would be there. We'd be there before the carnival opened. The steer open slack was a few days before the carnival opened, so we'd always end up going to the, the Cheyenne Frontier Days Museum right there, and I was always, I loved it. Museums always, are great. You know, some of them I always thought that the the cowboy museums could be a little better out there. It seems like a lot of people that that aren't cowboys put together these cowboy museums so we wanted to change that with this one well that's why this one's so good you went to a lot of museums and you picked out kind of cherry picked the the things you liked and the things you didn't like and and incorporated it, it into this museum and that's one reason that it's so good and getting better every day well thank you jimbo appreciate those words from you coming from a rodeo historian like you right <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't cover the t- uh, degree or anything. It's just the school hard knocks. Yeah, yeah. You could, you, you are the, uh, you could be the professor, the first rodeo historian professor down there at uh, o- OSU, Jimbo. Mm, I'm kind of OU man. Well, I think it'd be better at OSU. It would go over better at, o- at OSU. Then we could get you on board with this deal at OSU, Jimbo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Jimbo's a big Sooner fan. Lauren, she, 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 my wife, she uh, graduated from OSU, so we're big OSU fans. So that's the only disagreement and he, and me and Jimbo have. And you can still get along. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Hey, 
We just agree to disagree on that one. Right, right. Nothing you can do about it. Jimbo knows his team ain't that good, you know? Yeah. OSU, they, you can learn how to quarter beef and all that. They just don't play very good football. You just think that you're a cowboy, Jimbo, and you wear a cowboy hat. You'd be into the cowboys and not these know. wagon people but, drive wagons around, farmers, I basically. I, I, I like to ride with the winners on that. Oh, you win a lot of football games. <laughs> I right. mean, you can't argue with that. Well, I don't know. We'll see this year in this new conference they're in. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how that works out for them. A lot of money there. But you know, Sooners is really a cheater because that's the people that left Sooner during the Oklahoma land rush exactly. to cheat to go <laughs> to go stake the land out. So it's really the Oklahoma cheaters if you want to go to the Thoris and change the name. As long as we win. <laughs> What's what's the history on why would you pick that as your mascot? Well, they're idiots over there. <laughs> Historian, the... why why did they pick that as their mascot? Well, it just because <laughs> it sounded better than the Oklahoma cheaters. Yeah, it does sound better than that. The Oklahoma land but cheaters. They were just early. I wouldn't call it cheating. They just a little early. Got an early start. Kind of like breaking the barrier. <laughs> just <laughs> just like the white man coming over here messing with everything. Yeah. Son of a gun. <laughs> You're going to uh, make about half your audience mad. We better get off this subject. <laughs> let's, let's talk about a fun subject. Your podcast. You guys have a lot of fun with that. Oh, absolutely. We've had a blast with it. Uh, Cody approached me uh, several months ago and said, I want to do a podcast and I want you to do it with me. And I I thought he was crazy. For one thing, I'm not a good talker in front of a microphone or anything. I said, Cody, I'm not the guy you want to do this with. He said, oh, yes, you are. You're who I want. So he finally talked me into it. And we've had a great time. Met people I would have never met. Heard so many stories. And uh, it's really been fun. Yeah, we've met artists and movie stars and champion cowboys. We already knew most of them, but it was, it's just great to sit down in a long form and get to know somebody and, and let everyone else get to know them too. But the best thing that we do, I think, is get this stuff recorded for future generations before it's too late because they'll be able to pull up these podcasts hopefully for, for eternity. I mean, as long as we're here, people are here. Yeah, that's how we talk some of the the old reluctant cowboys into coming. You know, just tell them, you know, their grandkids are going to thank them for this later and their their children's going to thank them for this later. And everybody really is going to thank them for this later. And uh, me and Jimbo, we just love cowboy history. And we got to preserve it because there's a lot of it that wouldn't be preserved, I don't feel like, Jimbo, unless we were just doing it. Right, right, because it's easy for this stuff to get lost, you know. Everything's about the now and the guys roping now and and all that. And and those old guys, they're not on the Cowboy Channel every night like the guys now, but they they were great in their own right and and, uh, groundbreakers and paved the way for the the contestants today that that are really benefiting from what they did, like when they formed the Turtles. My grandfather was was a turtle, and uh, the, the work they put in and the things they did really uh, paved the way for what's going on today. Yeah, you just can't Google most of the information that we come across here. And, and if you can Google it, it's because we've, we've put that information out there on a lot of it, Jimbo, because there's just not a lot of uh, records left from that time period and a lot of the time periods that we're talking about, for sure. 
Right. It's just uh, it's great to hear straight from the people that lived it also. Absolutely. You know, and like I say, the, the best part about it to me is just having this recorded because all this stuff's not in a book. Some of it is, but most of it's not. And, and we've got it recorded, and it'll, it'll always be there. And to hear some of the stories that you wouldn't have normally heard or no one will take the time out to, to write down. And a lot of people spend a lot of time uh, driving or, you know, that's their release or entertainment to listen to a lifestyle that they will never be able to live but have always uh, looked up to, you know. Well, how many times have you heard this? Boy, I wish I had that on tape. Wish I would have thought about getting him recorded, saying some of the stuff before he died or her or whoever. How many times have you heard that? Every funeral we go to, every time someone that dies that you knew that did something great or had some something to, to tell whether, no matter what it was, a great great storyteller. How many times have you heard, boy, I wish we had that that on tape? Right. A lot. A, a lot. Heard, right. I've heard a hundred times. So we're sick of talking until we're blue in the face about it. Me and Jimbo, we're we're doing it. We're getting it. We're getting it down for future generations, and maybe maybe they'll open up and talk to some other people after they've talked to us too, and even get more of it out too. That's that's always great when that happens. You know, when when some old guys realize it's isn't so bad, some other people can go in and podcast with them too, and and get some of the information that me and Jimbo didn't get, or get it out to some other people that didn't hear it. So that that's I think that's always a good thing too, Jimbo. Oh, absolutely, and and most of them are, are are modest people, and they don't even think their story is, is anything they they anybody would want to hear. But the, but they they couldn't be further more wrong than that because I I hear from people every day uh, on social media and stuff say just oh we love your podcast just keep it up you know we love those little stories. Well, Justin McKee, you know the 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 MC for the Cowboy Channel right now, he called me just the other day. Jimbo and said, "Hey, yeah, I'm on my way home from Salinas, California. <laughs> I think I, from the last month being gone, I think I've listened to every one of you and Jimbo's podcasts." And he said, "I just love them. I just love them." Yeah, and you know, a lot of people are are disenchanted with what's going on on TV and stuff. And you have 150 channels and not anything you want to watch, you know. And uh, I think I think people are just starving for this kind of uh, platform. And something to listen to. And that's one reason the Cowboy Channel is doing so good right now, in my opinion. You know, in our way of life, it's a pretty small community. You know them. You know somebody who knows them. You're interested in it. You know, there's and there's not that much stuff to be found out there about our way of life. That when you're looking to be entertained about something about our way of life, you know, there's not that much out there. So, you know, I'm just I'm glad we're doing it, Jimbo. Oh, me too. I'm glad you talked me into it. Yeah, it's been a great decision. Everybody, uh, you know, I know I have a pretty small circle, but anybody I've ever ran into uh, throughout the country, and I've, I've traveled a, a few places, are always, they're amazed with, with the cowboy lifestyle, whether it be the ranching side or the rodeo side. They want to know just a little bit more. Uh, I work for an international manufacturing company. We build doors for large metal buildings. And I had to go to Idaho, and I went out there on a problem. And uh, the guy that owns this big hangar and does ag spraying shows up. And uh, he shows up, and we discuss the problem. And he said, 
and I have a women's ranch rodeo jacket on. He says, so you women's ranch rodeo? And I said, yes, sir. So you know a little bit about horses? And I said, I can ride a horse. My wife loves horseback riding, and I just bought her a horse off of a team roper. Would you mind coming to the house and helping her with her horse? And we spent 15 minutes talking about his problem with the door. We spent the rest of the day with me going to their house, pretty fancy house, um, and riding her horse for her. And he says, oh, look, honey, her butt doesn't move in the saddle when she, <laughs> you know. And I just spent the day with them visiting about that horse. And I'm by no means any kind of trainer or any kind of thing, but just to connect with people that, that want just a little bit of our lifestyle, that enjoy the horsemanship and the cowboy way of life and just to give somebody two little tips to help them out for the rest of their um, day and um, sitting down and visiting about spraying uh, for weeds and pasture and animal control and stuff like that in different parts of the country. But it always came back to, you know, husbandry of the land and taking care of our cattle and our grass. You know, in the in this Western way of life, I don't know a cowboy rodeoing that you can't approach and ask them something. I mean, they love to give some advice to anyone that loves that wants to come and ask. You know, you, you can't walk up to any NBA star. You know, you probably can't even get to them. Actually, your football star. You know, to get some advice on what you're doing wrong or what they think you might be doing wrong or what you think you might need to do different with your horse. But uh, about every pro that I know. Or old cowboy, it don't matter what it is. They'll take some time out of their day to help a kid or somebody. Or even them. even somebody they're competing with that's yeah. trying to beat them. You know? Yeah, I don't know how many times I've been to a roping and they see uh, an old guy see someone doing something wrong. They know there's just a little habit they've got themselves into and they're not practicing with anybody that, that, that knows to tell them. And they'll go and tell them. And then they get their money on the next round, and, but they don't forget it. I mean, uh, they're, not everyone's just out for themselves. In, in our sport, I don't feel like. No, absolutely not. You're not competing against that other guy as much as you're competing against yourself and that steer you draw or that horse you got to ride, that buck bronc or whatever, you know. And they're all just, will, as a as a group, just real helpful to, to help a young person coming up or, or like I say, even a, somebody that they're actually competing with. You know, how many times in steer rope and Cody do you tell somebody what you draw you know, they'll ask about the steer you had, you know, and you tell them all about it and what he did and, and the whole deal. And then you might help him tell the steer out of the chute for him, you know, and they're trying to beat you. Exactly. And uh, a lot of, 99% of the time, you know, when you call home to tell them how you did, you're usually happy. If you didn't win it, you're usually happy for the guy that won. Oh, yeah, it was good to see you, whoever win that, you know. And uh, that's, I remember calling home several times, you know. I didn't win anything, but I was happy for the guy that won it. And, uh. Everybody is usually happy for the guy that won it because you don't hate him for winning it for sure. No. No, no because you, you've watched them and, and maybe you grabbed just a little bit of a tip from just watching and being around um, your peers uh, helps a lot. If you, if you don't learn something every time you go out, um, if you're a cowboy, I don't, I don't think you're, you're trying too much. 
well, if you're not evolving a little bit, they're going to pass you up and and you're not going to be winning anything. So, yeah, you're always trying to learn. Yeah, you can you can learn from um, people in every aspect of of the uh, cowboy world and the rodeo world. Just just paying attention. But you know what? This is probably one of the old sports, one of the only sports where the old ways on our horses and everything they work just as good or better than anything new anyone can come up with. Isn't that wild? You know, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. They've critiqued everything a little bit, but still, basically, you know, it's the same nothing, things that these guys figured out. Nothing can take the place of sweat. And, right. Uh, riding your horse. Right. You know, sweat good, your ho- horse. good horsemanship and practice, you know. Just still like, all the same fundamentals it's always been. Pretty much. In just about every cowboy sport. The mental game is the toughest one to get. Holy moly. Is this not the most humiliating, not humiliating, but humbling sports in the world, you know? Yes. Uh, you know, yes. one day you uh, is feast and the next day is famine for sure. Yeah. The best world. feeling in the world, catching two feet. The oh, worst yeah. feeling in the world is missing two feet. Oh, yeah. Dirt shot. <laughs> yeah. Or practice, you practice all week or getting ready for roping, and, and you go to the rodeo and your rope doesn't even feel right. Yeah. You know. And then you you ever been to somewhere where you hadn't practiced in a couple months and you go and you can't do any wrong? But right. then the next one you enter, boy, it really catches up with you. Right. So what was that shirt that I wore to that rodeo that I – we're the most superstitious. I was not the world's worst superstition. <laughs> Put my hat on the bed. I'm too broke to throw it away, so i got to stomp the bad luck out of it. If I win something in a shirt, that becomes my lucky shirt. Um, if I don't win something in a shirt, that's an unlucky shirt. It's still hanging in the closet, never wore it but that one time, you know. Um, you got to spit to the left. When you're back in the box, not the right. I don't know. There's a lot of them. A lot of, I lived by a lot of superstitions when I was roping for some reason. Cowboys are the most superstitious people in the world. <laughs> I, I don't know a cowboy that didn't have a superstition, yeah. honestly. I, I don't either. I, there was one girl, and I won't mention her name, but she will be at the finals uh, many years ago. But don't don't get too close to her. She hasn't washed that shirt. We just keep winning. She refuses to wash her shirt. Yeah, I know a guy like that. His name's Mike Uthier. He won. He wore a shirt until uh, it got pretty. I think he might still be wearing that shirt when he's up somewhere because that's his lucky shirt. But that's how superstitious. I mean, the cowboys and cowgirls. Uh, I don't know why we're so superstitious. What What are your main superstitions? I don't know. Uh, just do you put your hat on the bed? No. Oh, okay. Do you put your hat on the bed, Jimbo? No, absolutely not. That, I mean, that's just a given. You don't do that. Someone in your family might die or something if you do yeah, that. It's bad luck. Yeah, it's about the worst. Hat on the bed's my main one. Um, I never had to wear a yellow one. Didn't really bother me. Right. But I didn't wear yellow a whole lot to tempt it anyway. I didn't want to test the waters. No, no. But I wasn't too superstitious on it. I had a lucky shirt that I wore when I, I won a rope and a shirt, and so I always wore it after that best I could. I washed it. My wife washed it. But... She didn't wash the luck out of it. Right, no. no. <laughs> I still have my lucky rope and shirts hung up in my closet, Jimbo. I still wear them every now and then when I'm having a bad string of bad luck, and I'll, I'll, uh, they help me out. Yeah, yeah if you think they'll help you, they probably will. It's on your head. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your, what is your philosophy, Billy, when you don't do good after leaving a rodeo? 
I know some cowboys they get to the first uh, stop sign, you know, and then they gotta let it go. Or, you know, I I just uh, I used to just tell that town to f off, but I'll see them next year. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know if I do anything. If we don't do, since there's usually five events, if we don't do so good in an event, I try to let that go because there's nothing I can do about what just happened, go on to the next event. And then after the rodeo, I try to think, what could I have done to to made a better run or, you know, what, or should my horse been in a different place or should I have done something different? I try not to dwell too much on what went wrong. I try to dwell on how to fix the problem or make make myself better. I don't try to dwell on the bad. Each positive, you... positive. Think positive. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's a mental. It, the rodeo is a, a tough mental sport, in my opinion, because you don't get any warm ups. I mean, you know, you you ride around. You get to a rodeo. You ride around the arena for an hour or two, you know, just exercising, you know, getting ready, and, it, and the pressure just builds and builds and builds. And then you're back in that box, and and, and you your hands better be in the game because you, you've got 10 seconds to – I mean, I, I watched the Super Bowl one time, and the uh, start of the game, while receivers dropped the ball. Uh, first two receivers dropped the ball. And the announcer says, well, uh, these receivers haven't got their, hand in the game, their hands in the game yet. When rodeo, you got to get your hands in the game – Immediately, you don't get to drop the ball two or three times, you know, uh, to to get into it. You know, you've got to be ready right then. And the guys that can win, I always always admired people that could handle that pressure and could do it. You know, and uh, that that's one of the toughest part about rodeo is is putting that out of your head and and compete at a high level uh, when that pressure's on. You know, the worst time <laughs> to be a roper is when you just have to catch and get a time to win it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'd rather have to try to place in the go-round to, to, to secure a place in that average. Yeah. So, it, but, uh, I, but I think rodeo is tougher than other sports just because of the mental aspect of it. You, know, you, you don't get to warm up. You're not in a game where you kind of get in the flow of the game. You know, you come in cold, and, and like I say, you ride around that arena for an hour, and, and it just builds and builds, and then you've got to back in the box and do it. And, well, and that's tough. Most other professional sports, you're getting paid to show up to, Jimbo. Yep. This one, yeah, your own money's on the line. Right, right. That's, and, that's, uh, that's true. And if you're doing it for a living, that just throws an extra bit of pressure on it if you got a family or you're yep. trying to qualify for something. But, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big difference to me yep. compared to a lot of professional sports. Because I can't think of very many you got to enter yourself. Yeah. Most and, of the time, you're competing for the prize money that they're either put up for you, or you're getting paid to be there. And and you don't get paid when you're hurt. You know, you got to rope when you don't feel like it, or run barrel, or whatever you know. Well, they don't call them off for the arena conditions. No. Nope. You know, as long as it's not lightning, they have a rodeo, no matter what's going on. Right. Right. So that's that's a that's a, that's some of the differences. Yep. That in other professional sports and. In our professional sports. Right. And as we're sitting here, I, I was thinking one time I came home from a rodeo and I was, gosh, I was, I wasn't in a real good mood. And my husband said, uh, did you not have fun? And and I was really growly. And he says, when it quits being fun, you have to quit. So I always try to have fun because I don't want to quit. Well, you can't help it that you're a winner too. Because most, most winners 
get a little growly every now and then when they're not winning. So. Seven times world champion. Yeah. Because <laughs> I got good teammates. She's got to feed that. She's got to feed that ego. She's got. Right. She's a world right. champion. No, I don't. Oh yeah. I don't. Oh yeah. I can see her being a little bit grouchy and they have a bad day, but she don't let it. She don't let it dominate her by any means. No. For sure. Because then I have to quit, and I don't want to quit. Oh heck. <laughs> If you're not a I little, just if you're not a little growly after a bad performance, there's something wrong with you. Just, just a little, just, just a little. Turn 58, competing against twenty-some-year-olds. Well, you're in well of a shape to be 58. You can't be 58. Yep, just turn 58. I would have said 38 before I'd said 58. Closer to 38 than 58. Yes, absolutely. Well, sometimes I feel my my brain <laughs> thinks that, but my body says, "Wait a minute." <laughs> I like all that jewelry you're wearing. What is it? It's Women Ranch Rodeo. I wore all of this for you, Cody. I love it. I Uh, love it. Earrings, Women's Ranch Rodeo, necklace, Women's Ranch Rodeo. It's all custom made. Yeah, belt buckles. She's Uh, got a belt of belts. I know it. She's got a belt all the way around her of champion belts she's won. I know it. It's unreal. I wore it for you. (laughs) Well, we love it. We love it. Yeah, that's pretty unique. Most people haven't worn enough buckles to go all the way around them. Hey, if anybody, if you're ever looking for some jewelry, I'm the guy to talk to, though. Yeah, Buck and Flamingo. Oh, yeah. My wife has a store called the Buck and Flamingo. She she makes me work in there. But it's called the Buck and Flamingo. We got the largest selection of turquoise jewelry probably in the tri-state area. What about your sale on Sunday night? Oh, yeah. Every Sunday night, 7 p.m., Central Standard Time, we got a huge sale on Facebook. Buck and Flamingo, it's live for the, some of the greatest uh, values in turquoise jewelry out there and some of the prettiest, too. Beautiful stuff. So, Good prices. Yep. Be sure and check us out. We donated uh, a piece of jewelry to everybody that qualified for this year's Women's Ranch Rodeo World Finals. So, Wow. Well, we want them looking good out there. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, if you like turquoise jewelry, come see us every Sunday night right there. Buck and Flamingo on Facebook, or just come to the store. We got a big selection of it there too. And if they if they come to Pasca, uh, 14th, 15th, and 16th, uh, come to the store. You got other cool stuff, not just turquoise jewelry. Yeah, we specialize in stuff you can't find at Walmart, Billy. So the cool stuff. If you want to go to Walmart, don't come to Pasca. <laughs> yeah, we ran them out of town a few years ago. <laughs> no, there's a. It's a very cool shop. Um, oh yeah very oh yeah we, like I said we we got a little bit of everything in there turquoise jewelry we have purses we have metal art bird we got over a hundred different varieties of bird houses in there like I, we just specialize in, in cool stuff stuff you can't find basically anywhere else you know it's all collected in one spot of just <laughs> unique treasures throughout the whole store if you want to be one of the cool kids go to the Bucking Flamingo that's right Watch them on Facebook Live every Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Because Lauren's got some really nice stuff yeah. that she's... It's yeah. not bucking. Be sure to go to B-U-C-K-I-N. Bucking. Just like bucking. Just and, like uh, roping. That's right. Sorting. Uh-huh. You're there's right. No, there's no G. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have a great bucking time over there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we try, we'll, we'll treat you so many ways you're bound to like one of them over there. <laughs> And come over here in Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum. That's right. Come see us at the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum. There's displays on 
world famous cowboys and cowgirls from right here in Osage County. And you don't have to be a cowboy to enjoy it or a cowgirl. I mean, they have a, a buffalo you can get on up front and get your picture taken. They have a dummy horse and a dummy steer back here you can get on and rope. And I've seen several people that obviously weren't ropers that love to get on that horse and mm-hmm. try we to had, rope those horns. We had the governor on there here a while Absolutely. back. Absolutely. I saw a picture of that. Because everybody wants to be a cowboy. Yeah, at heart. Yeah, everybody was a cowboy at heart. It's It's a romantic life. Yeah, it's a state of mind, for sure. It's, uh, you know, getting up at two o'clock in the morning and pulling the calf, it's romantic. <laughs> to me, it's just an independent person. It's an independent person that wants to work for themselves. You know, anyone can be a cowboy, but, you know, real cowboys, they do. They, they work the land. They're stewards of the land. They're, they're good to their animals. You know, they're... Uh, take care of their animals before they take care of their sales. That's exactly all what day, I was going to say. All day, every day. I mean, I don't know... They don't know Christmas. No. Cattle don't know Christmas. Horses don't know Christmas. We don't know any of that. You know, we're, uh, you got to work. You got to work. No one else is going to do it. They're not going to feed themselves or take care of themselves. You got to take care of them, just like your family. They're at your mercy. When you take, take on an animal to take care of, they depend on you, and you, and you, you have to take care of them. I agree. And, uh, you know, the cattle industry, what's going on with that? You know, they're just, uh, I'm not going to get into all a bunch of politics, but, you know, they're hardworking, good people. These folks in the big cities need to learn where their stuff comes from, for sure. Absolutely. We work hard for it, and we take care of things. We, we take care of the land, and we take care of our cattle, and, and we thank God every day for this life. You work hard. Um, if you have a good year, it's great. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of hard knocks. To, to, to be in this way of life but you know every old cowboy I know that's been in this way of life their whole life they, they wouldn't have it any other way oh yeah absolutely and if you asked them you know they'd say uh, if you when, had it to do over different again the old timer what would you do yeah. when, get up earlier and get more done maybe yeah. that'd be the only, the only thing yeah. they'd tell you yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, can remember when I was a kid uh my grandpa, when we had we had hogs, we had cattle, we we had a huge garden, and we farmed a little bit. And when the hog market was high, everybody wanted in, right? So they'd come out and then they'd buy some pigs from us, and then they'd cuss when it went low. And, uh, and we had cattle too, and they'd do the same thing. And I can remember my grandpa said, you know what the secret is, Bill? I said, no, what is the secret? And he says, don't get out. You know, they get in while it was good, thinking it's going to be good, it's going to be good, it's going to be good. And then when it go to shit, you know, they get out because, you know, they'd put everything in. He said, what this, you want to know the secret? Just don't get out. That's right. And, and that's just like when you put having fun. You can't quit having fun. You got to keep at it. And cowboying is fun if it's in your heart. That's right. No better life than the rodeo life. For sure. Okay, guys. You guys, this podcast, my podcast, the museum, Bucket Flamingo, Women's Ranch Rodeo. We got a lot going on over here in Pasco right now. We got a lot happening, a lot of fun stuff. If, if somebody's looking for something to do, we got it. That's right.
Come see us and be sure and come to the Women's Ranch Rodeo World Finals. Kickoff party. Oh, yeah. The kickoff party is going to be a hell of a time. And buy a team. Get your money out and buy a team. Yeah, that's right. We, we got a, a new young announcer, Creek Williams, that's going to be here. Oh, yeah. He's, he, is, he is ready. He is fired up to come. We're looking forward to it right here. And it's, it's great. We're, we're so proud to be right here in Pampasca and have a world championship event to be held here again. So. Where else could you have it? I mean, this, this is the perfect place. That's right. We're proud to have you girls here. Glad to be here. Glad to have you behind us. We couldn't do it without you, Cody. All right. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank, you, thank you for having you. us. Mm-hmm. All right, so kickoff party, October 14th at the Constantine Theater. It's downtown, 110 West Main there in Pahuska. The doors will open at 6 p.m. The Calcutta will start at 7 p.m. $10 admission at the door. The meal will be provided by the Osage County Cattle Women's Association. So the kickoff party is sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum, Osage County Cattle Women's Association and the Come and Go there in Pawhuska. We also would like to thank uh, Lockhart Cowboy Customs, Total Feeds, Molly Manufacturing, New Dart, and Yeti for their uh, Go Buckle sponsorships. So be sure and uh, come to the kickoff party. It will be a lot of fun. So on the 15th, I should know this by heart. On the 15th, the rodeo starts at 10 a.m. The first performance will be at 10 a.m. out there at the uh, indoor arena at the fairgrounds. So first performance, 10 a.m. Second performance, 6 p.m. Saturday on the 16th, the final performance will be at 1 uh, p.m. The awards will be at 7 p.m. there at the fairgrounds uh, at the Ag Building. Tickets to the rodeo will be $10 per performance or $25 for all three performances. Kids 10 and under are free. We will have a little trade show there, so be sure and show up for that. We'll see you there. Association, you